0: and welcome to the raising kellen podcast my name is Marsh Schneidu. i'm a physical therapist as well as parent raising kellen my 11 year old son with cerebral palsy i blog at raisingkellen.org where we curate resources to empower and educate parents raising their children This digital platform is a free resource and part of a 501c3 nonprofit registered in the state of Tennessee. If you are a business or an individual who is interested in supporting our mission, hop over to the website where you can see what sponsorship looks like. As always, remember the information on this podcast is presented as general Education, and if you are seeking advice for a specific situation, to always contact a trained professional. It is just 60 days away, and we have our first ever live event coming up. Day at the Lake will be taking place on August the 26th at Fern Lake in Dyersburg, Tennessee, where we have a robust list of speakers coming to present to us. For more information and details as far as speakers, please stay tuned for details. And we are proud to present that we have our first sponsor, Sherry Tidwell, Family Nurse Practitioner from Family Practice Clinic here in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Thank you so much for your legacy sponsorship of Day on the Lake. Without further ado, we are going to go ahead and jump into today's episode. So grab your cup of coffee, put your feet up and get ready for some awesome conversation.
1: Today, I'm joined by Erin Riley from Cincinnati Children's Hospital in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Erin.
2: Thank you so much, Marsha. I'm excited to be here.
1: And I'm excited to be talking with you. Uh, Guys, Erin is founder and director of Project Search. This is a work program for students with uh, high school students with intellectual and developmental disabilities to learn the job skills needed to carry over to the workplace. Uh, This is a a passion that's really close to my heart, Erin, as my son starts entering middle school and we look at what's in store for him in high school and beyond. So I, I'm really appreciative of this, this opportunity uh, to be chatting with you this morning. Um, before we, we get into the meat and potatoes, so to speak, Aaron, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what led to the formation of Project
2: SEARCH? Sure, Marsh. Um you know i am a nurse by profession and my my masters is actually in nursing administration so i've i've worked in hospitals my whole life and um and i've frequently been the the director of a department or a, an area and um you know i i was the director of the uh nursing uh, part of the emergency department at Cincinnati Children's and I, I was in that job for about 11 years and and while I was there um, I basically had kind of my disability aha moment I think and I you know I, I never really thought too much about people with disabilities I had never invited a person with a disability to my house for dinner and I never you know, gone to a movie with a person with a disability, and and I think if I'm honest, and I think honesty is required uh, in this moment if we're going to move past you know some of the limits we've put on people. But if I'm honest, and had you asked me uh, when I was much younger, what a person with a, a disability, a developmental disability, could do for work. I would have told you well I I know they can wipe off tables and I I know they can bring in carts from the parking oh, lot I know they can bag groceries but I I think that for a long time that's what I thought that's all I thought they could do and um I because everywhere you go in America that's what you see people with developmental disabilities doing and I, I, I thought, well, this can't be accidental. Um, and, and when I was working in the emergency department as, as the head nurse, the director, I had a moment where I I saw lots and lots of patients who were people with disabilities. And I was struck by the fact that as a children's hospital, we we took care of them from birth to 21. And yet, we never ever thought about what they were going to do as adults. And, you know, and and here we were, we were a huge hospital that hires lots of people, but we'd never ever intentionally hired a person with a disability. And we have, oh, dozens of training programs. We train everybody. We train doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists. We train child life therapists, OTs, PTs. I mean, you name it. We have training programs. And yet we never included people with developmental disabilities in any of our training programs. And I think, you know what started? I I just thought um I I, I asked the question, you know, what what do these young people grow up to do when they leave us? And why aren't they part of our workforce? And I, um, I took it from there, and I I was fortunate enough to um, to know how to set up a program, to know how to ask questions, to do the research, and I became very familiar with the agencies and the funding and the process, um, and decided that. And I got, I had full support of the hospital and my bosses, but I I decided that we would start a training program that, you know, if we we're going to train everybody else, we needed to have a program that allowed us to bring in high school students while they're in their last year of eligibility and teach them the skills that we needed within our hospital so they could go on to become our employees, if they wanted, or if we didn't have an open position, we could at the very least give them skills that they could use to go out into the world and get a great job. That was a long answer, I know. Sorry, Marsh.
1: No, that that's perfect. That, that speaks to a, a lot about some of the framework around the program, Erin. Let me... And you correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that you bring the state agencies, the potential employers, and then the school system, and you kind of have them collaborating. Is it once the student graduates, do they go on to project search for a year? Or is it actually while they are in school that they enroll in the program?
2: That is such a great question. And uh, I already know this is going to be. It's going to be fun to talk to you. Um, you know what I did because I I'm a, I was an administrator. I followed the money. It, it wasn't that hard, and so I I looked to see um, for high school students while they are still in school for high school students with disabilities. What services are they eligible for? What are the expectations of those services? What what is the outcome supposed to be? And how do we partner as a business, as a hospital? How could we partner with all of the groups that were supposed to be working on employment and transition? How could we bring them all together at for a a nine-month period and say, you know, let's instead of all of us working separately and spending a boatload of money and having different definitions of success, how about if we all work together for one time period and really get um, these young people into a program where they can learn skills and go on to employment? And so, we actually have two programs to answer your question. Um, the program that's most common is a high school program. So we will go to a school district and we will work with voc rehab. We will work with developmental disabilities. We will work with independent living, any state agencies that have anything to do with disability. We'll work with um you know, if you've got a mobility training center net nearby or a busing program, we'll ask all the partners to come together. And we will say to the school, um, if you have young people who are eligible for, for transition, which means they um, are going to perhaps spend an extra year or two or four learning, transitioning to adult life and transitioning to employment, we will work with young adults in high school who are in a transition program and we will be their final year of education. So for example, typically the folks we serve have finished their senior year and now they are coming to us as a final year, they're still technically in school, but and they're still fall, they still haven't a teacher and a paraprofessional, probably. But we're basically going to say, You've finished your credits, you know, you're not doing math, English, and science. Um, we're going to take you for that extra year, your last year, and we're going to move into a business for nine months and so the teacher a teacher is going to go with a class maybe a paraprofessional and then we're going to take usually eight to 12 students but we call them interns and for the entire school year they're never going to set foot in the school so for nine months they're going to come from home to the business. They're going to stay there all day long. And then at the end of the day, they're going to go from the business back home. They're going to follow the dress code of the business. They're going to learn how to eat lunch in a business, how to use a locker room in a business. Um, You know, we're going to Teach them, make them sit through orientation so they know what to do if they're bored or if they don't fully understand. And so, um, for that nine month period, uh, the first three to four weeks are going to be an orientation to the business. And then, after that, each intern is going to rotate through three different internships. And those internships are going to last about 10 weeks long. So each one of the young people will be in three different departments over that nine-month period, and they are there independently. So it's not as though we take um, Helen and say, Helen, we're going to put you and eight other people in the cafeteria today for four hours, and here's what you're doing. That's not what we do. So, for example, the day starts by coming to a classroom, and the teacher teaches an hour of curriculum, and that curriculum is on how to be a good employee. Are you dressed appropriately? How do you take feedback? How do you, how, how do you work as a team and take direction even when you don't like it? Um, what is quality? What's that mean? So that hour of curriculum in the morning is focused on teaching young people how to be a good employee. And then each intern goes to a different department based on what they want to be when they grow up. And so they are in that department for about five hours. Now, the teacher and the staff have gone in and learned the skills. And it's the teacher and the staff who are teaching the skills to the young person. But um, for the most part, the intern is going to be in that department learning those skills, getting better and better at them and we're going to continue to teach new things every day so that by the end of the 10 weeks they know as many skills as possible and then at the end of the day they classroom and we spend about an hour talking about how did you do today what did you learn what did you have anything did anything upset you or bother you was anything hard Um, Were you dressed appropriately? Did you take feedback? So um, each day will look the same. It will start with an hour of curriculum, end with an hour of discussion and uh, evaluation. And then the five hours in between are the young person is in that department learning skills. So I'll give you a really quick example. We actually had a young woman and she'd finished her senior year. She was had stayed in school and was doing transition courses. And her dream was to work in a Hallmark store. That's all she wanted to do. Um, she loved Hallmark. She went there as much as she could. She loved some of the figurines. She really wanted to work in a Hallmark store, but she was she she had an obvious disability, and. She'd applied several times and never even made, made it through the interview process. They, they didn't really want to interview her. And so finally, she and her parents decided to apply to Project SEARCH, and they came to the hospitals program. Well, we're not a Hallmark store, but hospitals are kind of a microcosm of the world, We are, and and we can teach anything that you need to know that will help you work in a Hallmark store. And so her first internship, which was 10 weeks long, was in our storeroom, and she learned how to take a large box, open it safely with a safety knife. She learned how to unpack the packages, put them on the right shelf. And so she learned that process for receiving materials and putting them where they belonged. And while she was in the storeroom, we added, we taught her as many skills as we could. um, So she became familiar with that process. Her second internship, she went to our pharmacy. And in our pharmacy, we taught her how to check expiration dates. Because that's important no matter what business you're working in. You know, you, you have to, um, you can't have old outdated supplies. You, you have to, and, and we taught her how to front shelves, how to put the oldest supplies first and the newest behind, keep shelves straightened and everything fronted and and those are really hard things to learn. Um sometimes i think learning how to or checking expiration dates is one of the hardest things we teach. And so she did that until she became much better at it. And then her final internship, her third internship was in our gift shop. And we taught her how to do seasonal displays, how to do some basic order entry. We continued teaching her how to front shelves how to make things look good, how to stock and supply. And at the end of the year, she graduated and she applied for the Hallmark store in her neighborhood. The difference is we helped her apply and we had three letters of recommendation from three different departments saying, listen, you know, this young woman trained in our hospital she learned these skills in each of these departments she she is a highly trained young person who's ready to do this job and and we we recommend her for this type work and she went on to get a job at the hallmark store and and she was ready for it you know she She'd been in our program, you know, seven hours a day for nine months. She'd built up the stamina. She knew how to dress, how to get herself there, how to be on time, how to take feedback. She still had to go through orientation and learn the skills at the Hallmark, but she had the foundational learning that she needed to be successful. That's what we do. I
1: love Um, it.
2: Yes. Yeah. And we have lots of assessments and tools that we use to work with young people to figure out what is their dream? What is it they really want to do? Um, Because we don't think that every person with a disability needs to, you know, to work in just a few stereotypical jobs. Not that there's anything wrong with those jobs. They're great. But we want to make sure that the world and parents and young people know that their options for employment are, um, are really large. I mean, uh, it's kind of like uh, there's many more options out there for people with disabilities, especially developmental disabilities, than you might imagine.
1: Erin, how easy is it to get buy-in from the workplace, like the employers? Kind of just walk me through that. I'm just curious to see how you guys establish those partnerships
2: it's a great question and you know i think in the early days of doing this it was more difficult and we we had to spend a lot of time convincing business leaders that people with disabilities um, could learn skills and be among their best employees and you know we used to get marsh we used to get really stupid questions like will my liability insurance go up and and how many lawsuits have you had and, you know, and, and, and sometimes people, you know, when you're not familiar with a, a group, you know, you, the things that you think don't necessarily make sense, but everybody has to have their aha moment. And I remember going to our lawyer at, at Cincinnati Children's and saying, are you worried about us hiring people with disabilities? You know, are you worried about increased liability? And his name was Mel, and I I will never forget it. He said, "Aaron, he said a person with a disability couldn't possibly do anything that hasn't already been done by people without disabilities." And you know, and what I have learned over time is that's absolutely true. Um, the big difference, I this is my personal opinion, um, is that people with developmental disabilities aren't often very sneaky. And so if they do something, you notice it right away, or you see it, or they tell you, whereas the rest of us know, you know, we know how to be really sneaky when we do the same things. But to answer your question, I think over time, it's gotten surprisingly easier. And especially now, when businesses need employees, but Um, you know, today we have 730 programs in the United States and Canada, and each one of those programs is in a a different large business. And we now actually have businesses calling us, um, and wanting the program because it's a, you know, our program has very defined steps. It, we give you curriculum, we give you all the tools. We we help you get it set up so businesses don't have to do it on their own. They are supported in this. They like a program that's evidence-based.
1: Yes.
2: Um, the hurdle, I don't think the hurdle anymore is getting in the door to businesses. The difficult time, I think, can be working with um, individual managers or or employees in departments and but i think that as long as you go in and you do education and you're clear uh, you know we don't teach jobs that's not what we do so we don't go into materials management and say we want to you know we want to teach this job and then we want you to give us this job that that's scary to employees um we go in and we say, how many different skills can we possibly teach in this department? And we don't focus on a job. Mm-hmm. We focus on teaching as many skills as we can. And then we apply for any job that's open or available. And we, we get it competitively, just like everybody else. So, we're not asking to go in and and replace workers or to do work for free. That's not what we do. We are learners. Um, you know, we're in learning mode and we, after the program's over our young people apply and they usually apply within a business and without. And, um, I think businesses really like us. We, we're in hospitals, banks, military bases, manufacturing, pharmaceutical, aviation. We're in airports all over the country, um, universities, government. It doesn't really matter, you know. We we have we have lots of programs, and and I think businesses like structured programs.
1: You guys have a conference once a year where you'll bring together. Tell me about that conference that you're your annual conference, Erin. Tell me more about yeah, thanks it. Thanks for asking. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have a conference um, somewhere in the United States every year. And this year it's going to be the week of July 10th. And it's going to be in Milwaukee. We typically do East Coast, Middle West, and then we rotate. Um. And we, we usually um, limit it to about 800 people, and um, we bring together uh, educators, special ed directors, business people. We have a whole day session just for business people who are interested in learning more about the program or just interested in knowing how to include people with disabilities in their environment. We have VR counselors, DD counselors. We have parents, um, and we, um, we don't really market. Um, we always fill up every year. I think right now we're, um, I think we still have about a hundred spots left, but we, we know it'll fill, um, we keep, we purposely keep our prices as low as we can, um, because it's about learning and teaching. And, you know, we provide most of the meals um, during the week and we have evening activities. We, I, I think we believe that people with developmental disabilities and intellectual disabilities are so amazing and so capable of doing great work that we need to do everything we can to help everybody else have their aha moment and um, and we love the people who love working with people with disabilities. And so, you know, we want to provide a great learning experience for them so they can come together for that week. And if anyone would like to apply, you still can. Uh, it really is. We have people from all over the world come. We have people from we've had India, Israel, uh, gosh south america canada uk portugal netherlands uh every year we get uh more and more people who come um internationally to learn in here it, it's it's amazing iceland italy so yeah if you have any listeners we certainly would welcome them it's uh it's a great conference uh thank you so much
1: for your time today and you know just Thank you for um, the initiative of putting this innovative program together and um, just uh, just giving our kids a chance to enter the workplace and, and the workforce.
2: You know what, Marsh? We have young people. Well, I guess they're older now. It's funny. We have people who've worked at Children's for 25 years. So they probably came to us when they were 20, and now they're four, almost 50 years old, and they're you know critical employees and and even during covid they had to be on site because they were necessary and we have people um sterilizing instruments and um transporting patients and and we're talking critical roles because people would i just will say this you know i and this is often a misunderstanding but People with developmental disabilities can do really, really hard things. They can do complex work. It's what is more important than how hard something is, is how routine it might be or how systematic it might be. And I think we make this mistake of thinking people with disabilities can only do easy things. Well, that's not true. And, you know, they can do crazy difficult things. And so, you know, we have people with Down syndrome who are sterilizing instruments used in our operating room, but sterilizing instruments is really hard and it's very, comp- it's, it's very hard and it has steps and you must do it in the same way. But once you learn that, it's the same Over and over and over again. So it's hard, but there's an element to it that's routine. And businesses are full of these types of jobs. And oftentimes, the people that we love and work with are our best candidates. So, you know, it's a win win. And, um, a big part of it. My goal in life is just to help help everybody have their aha moment when they sit up and they say, "Oh my gosh, you know this person is can be a great employee, and their potential is off the chart." And uh, so I appreciate the chance to talk to you. Thank you.
1: You as well, Erin. You have an amazing best of your day.
2: You too. Thank you so much, Marsh.
1: Thank you for listening along on the podcast
0: today. For more information about Project Search, please check out projectsearch.us. And for a friendly reminder, remember that day event we have coming up is just two months away on the 26th of August to be held at Fern Lake in Dyersburg, Tennessee. We are scheduled to start at 9 a.m. and will be finished around 3 p.m.-ish. We have received our first sponsorship and that is Sherry Tidwell, family nurse practitioner from Family Practice Clinic here in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Sherry, thank you so much for your sponsorship. To keep posted on the event and other happenings, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Raising Killen. And if you all need to contact us for any reason, we can be contacted at raisingkillen at gmail.com. So without further ado, and as always, remember guys, get to the top of your mountain. This is Marsh Naidu, signing off.